0: I want to thank Andrew and my beautiful wife Kristen and Keeley and Cody uh, for leading us in worship. There is something powerful and just life-giving about just praising God, I think, in the midst in this global pandemic that we're experiencing right now. And so uh, we hope you're encouraged by this message. We hope you're incur- encouraged by the music. And if you're new and you've never connected with us here at Lifestone Church, uh, would you do us a favor and text to this number... Uh, just the word welcome. Um, The other announcement that I have and want to share with you is that life groups are starting today. If there's one message during all of this we've tried to get across to our church family, that is connect, connect, connect. Um, And one way we're doing that is continuing life groups online. And and so we're we're doing that, thank goodness, for technology. Um, And if you are not in a life group, we encourage you to go to lifestonechurch.net, go to the connect tab, and simply go down to life groups and there's ways that you can get connected to that if you're in a life group um, that place that I'm pointing out is also where you can go find your group and your zoom ID number will be there and then we want to encourage you about Easter Easter's coming up we got every year we do a special Easter offering and I hope you guys got some information we want to we want to help support Sarah allgood and Casey as they are, are in this battle against um, uh, cancer and uh, this brain tumor that, that she's been um, battling and so pray for her, Per pray for healing but also man I call upon my Lifestone Church family really to be generous towards uh, helping them out with just incredible medical costs that are coming about through all of this and, and so thank you for that in advance. And then as Easter approaches we're, we're really trying to do everything we can to uh, prepare a really exciting celebratory Easter service for our church family during all of this. Um, our It's going to be online. <laughs> A part of me wants to go maybe maybe we'll be all unsequestered or you know uh, the quarantine will be over by then but uh, that not not likely and so we're planning an online service and again we're gonna we're gonna hear some some really encouraging stories about uh, people in our church some special stories that we want to get to you about how God has, has uh, worked in their life and so it's going to be a special time uh, invite friends and family uh, still and and uh, today we're going to continue um, with this impact series let me pray would you pray with me and we'll jump in God we love you we thank you for a chance to still hear from your word to connect with our church family and others who knows who else, Might be listening out there, and God, I pray your truth is just proclaimed in a clear way, and that it it really changes and changes and transforms our lives. Thank you, God, for loving us, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, guys, uh, week two of Impact. Of course, we didn't know there was a global pandemic happening, and we planned this before going. Hey, leading up to Easter, Easter is an opportunity for um, for you to connect and invite people to what Easter is really all about. And it's our greatest opportunity all year. More people are open to coming to church, to hearing about what Jesus and the resurrection is really all about on that day than any other day. And so we said, hey, let's really encourage people that God has called them. God has invited them into his mission uh, to really reach the world with the good news. And um, so we talked about that last week, trying to set that foundation that you really are invited into that and we hope even this week uh, although i mentioned it uh, in the me- message last week some people say hey i love jesus and i follow him and i've accepted him but um i don't only special people are are called to really share their faith and and um we we kind of want to dispel that myth <laughs> that when jesus gave the great commission he said here's something that he was uh Uh, teaching and commanding his followers to do and then in the same command he says teach new disciples new followers of Jesus to follow all the commands that I'm giving including the one that he's giving of course if if the Christian church just took the view that just the 11 that Jesus was talking to his his disciples that were left at that time um, just those guys were just the ones called to, to carry out the Great Commission, which is to go and to make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and then to teach them everything that Jesus taught. Um, if that's just for them, we wouldn't be, you wouldn't be listening to this right now. The Christian church would have died. <laughs> There's no way. Uh, but no, the Christians have taken that very seriously throughout the ages, that we're to share this wonderful good news uh, to, to to the whole world. And so I, I have to ask the question, why does that scare so many people? And I know, <laughs> I know why, because it used to scare me to death, because I had a, a picture in my mind of what that looked like, of somebody sharing their faith, someone who was maybe aggressive, maybe preachy, um, maybe uh, could share theology and these truths about God in a way that I thought, man, I'm going to get tongue twisted. I'm not going to be able to explain it in that kind of a complicated way. Um, It was my preconceived ideas of what it looked like to share the Christian faith that made me not want to be a part of it. And so today, what I thought would be really encouraging is to share a story with you of, of how somebody is sharing Jesus with someone in a way that I think we're, we'll all go I, I can do that and, and I'd like to do that in this time when we're quarantined it, it makes me think of what if you were asked to share with your neighbors and your friends and your network of people that, that you're connected with that the quarantine's over and that there's a cure for COVID-19 you were given that task to really share that, that news with people Would that be something you'd be like, oh man, how am I gonna, how how can I put the words together to share that? Or maybe I shouldn't share that. Like, I don't want to really share that. No, you'd be really excited, right? To be the one who could share that wonderful news. And that's part of, I think, the blessing that God gives us as, as Jesus followers. Like, he wants to give us the gift of allowing us to be a part of this wonderful work of seeing people's lives transformed. This week, we're going to look at this story of a guy named Philip. And Philip, there's several Philips in the New Testament. And this Philip is not one of the original uh, 12 disciples of Jesus, uh, but he is uh, someone who has a great impact. And we get a, a few stories. He's got a couple of nicknames, Philip the Deacon and Philip the Evangelist. It's Philip the deacon because he was given the role to deacon within the church. Deacon is simply a term that's, that's related to serving. And so he was asked to serve and help take care of the needs. It's really to, uh, to, to take care of needs that were happening in the early church that came about. And this is kind of a whole side story, but it's interesting in what we're dealing with right now. Came about because the early church wasn't fulfilling the Great Commission instead of going back to the communities that they came from to share the good news, they hunkered down in Jerusalem. Now, why were they in Jerusalem? They were there for the day of Pentecost, one of the big Jewish festivals and celebrations that they uh, celebrated. and, And they came on vacation, really, to come do that celebration. And that is when God started the church. The Holy Spirit comes There's miraculous signs because God gives us evidence for our faith. It's not blind faith. So there's miraculous signs showing this is really God at work. And the church starts. And the natural tendency of the believers are to gather together. We talked about that last week. The 99 coming together. And Jesus has to give us so many illustrations and teach us and show us by example that we're to go after people not a part of the flock, not the ones who have been made righteous through Jesus, but to go after people who need Jesus. But that's what they wanted to do, even though they had clear instructions early on, to go and to share this good news. And so what happened, though, is because they hunkered down in Jerusalem, man, they ran out of vacation money. And they ran out, I mean, their livelihood was in other places, but they thought, well, Jesus is coming back, so we're all good. Now listen to me, as you hear a lot of voices out there now during this global pandemic, we've gotten in trouble for predicting Jesus's return. And, um, you know, Jesus, as he taught about it, it wasn't something that we were to predict and to put on a calendar and to... Uh, use that in some way to manipulate people, because that's what's happened. Really, a lot of often false teachers that use Christianity have used the return of Jesus to manipulate people and to cause them to, you know, give up all their possessions and to do crazy things out of fear. Look at human history. We do horrible things and irrational things based on fear, and Jesus hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Um, even in the midst of all this, I want to encourage you guys out there who are just living in fear and unnecessary worry. Now, there's a level of worry and concern that, that is appropriate, but not the level that rises to going, God's not in control. And I'm, I'm worried about, you know, I'm so worried and anxious, it's affecting my, my health and, and all these kind of things. No, no, in the midst of whatever's happening, Jesus promises us a peace. Getting into the story of Acts 8 26 and Philip this is how he shares his faith and I hope this is encouraging in the last few minutes we have to look at it. Um, Acts 8 26 says for Philip an angel of the Lord said to him go south down uh, the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza and so right away um, number one I've got some points for you to, to consider start with prayer and that may sound kind of generic and like oh yeah of course that's what what you start out with um, but prayer is simply connection with God communication with God the foundation of a relationship with anyone is communication you cannot have a relationship with someone if there's no communication i mean at minimum i don't know if you ever had a pen pal or something or, across the world like you wouldn't have any kind of relationship if you didn't at least like write letters to one another there's got to be some form of communication to have a relationship and that's what prayer is. It's not some spiritual thing that, that you know, is, is some formula that we put together in order to get God to do something. That's how so many people look at prayer. And what prayer is, is, is just this open communication. Jesus talked about abiding in him. Last instructions before he went to the cross to his disciples 11 times to abide in him. And I like things simplified. And so when I look at abiding, um, I, I think there's there's some depth there that we could, look at, we could dig into a little deeper, but at its essence, it's prayer. It is just this communication and this relationship that we continually can have with Jesus. And so um, that's what Philip seems to have because it just says, man, the Lord is just directing him and he's going. Verse 27, so he started out And I love how he responds immediately. And he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candic, the queen of Ethiopia. Uh, The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading out loud from the book of the prophet of Isaiah. Verse 29, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man. So you can kind of sense the enthusiasm that Philip has to be led by God to, to go encounter people, to share uh, Jesus with other people. And I think that's part of the connection in the prayer is that as we connect with Jesus through prayer, uh, he He shapes our heart and changes our attitude and opens our eyes to how he views people. We talked about that last week a lot. And so um, he seems to have this this uh, excitement because he's running and he's just like, well, God's leading me and I'm not hesitating. I'm just going after it. So number two, go to them. So often I think we have an attitude of like, well, they've got to come to me and they've got to come to our churches and they have to come to our ministry events. And and man, I, Jesus didn't do that. He came to us. He left the splendor of heaven put on human skin, and stepped into our broken world, and came to us, and met us where we are. And I think in the same way, we should do the same thing. It can be powerful to simply have this attitude of come and see, and come experience. And we see this in in uh, in the life of, of Jesus followers, just not being able to really know what more to do to connect people with Jesus than just inviting, but But sometimes we, I I just don't want to leave it at that. Like all I want you guys to do is invite people to a church service. Um, Man, I I don't think we're going to have the kind of impact, the whole whole idea of this series, if that's all we leave it at. Is, hey, I'm the professional gospel presenter guy and you just bring them to me and they'll have this service and they'll be impressed with the music or something and then I'll share with them Jesus because... Because I'm the guy who does that. Now, so I want to encourage you to go to them, and what that looks like, I think, is being involved and connected in our community. It goes on in verse thirty, reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asks, "Do you understand what you are reading?" So, um, he also said, he also listens. He runs up and heard the man. Uh, so, my third point is listen and ask questions to understand if we're listening to people and we're asking questions not as a canned presentation like a a you know aggressive salesperson asking a question so you say yes 10 times so at the end of the presentation when they ask you to buy something you'll just be so used to saying yes that you say yes none of us like that I don't think God wants us to present Jesus as some you know manipulative sales pitch at all Um, and if someone does come to Christ through that means I think there is some danger in them understanding what decision they're making the you know the authenticity of that decision if they're really making it and so I love that he is hearing and listening to what he's saying And he's asking questions, not canned presentation questions, to get a desired outcome, return, close question, yes, no. Hey, do you hate Jesus or do you love Jesus? Do you want to go to hell or do you not want to go to hell? I don't know. Let me think about that. But but questions to really understand where the person is, what is on their heart, how open they are to you continuing, You know to share something or if you need to just love them more and build the relationship more whatever but questions to understand Um, and then verse 31 it says the man replied how can I and he's asking do you understand what you're reading because he's listening that he's reading out loud this uh, the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament which gives a ton some people call it the fifth gospel is all this information all this prophecy about Jesus And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Um, Number four, love people so much that they want to be around you. Great point, right? Love people so much. And in this short, brief encounter that Philip has, this person isn't rejecting them and going, I don't want to hear what you have to say. Quit preaching at me. I one uh, one instance that I remember, um, I was in Las Vegas. Uh, this is actually on my honeymoon. Yeah, Kristen and I went to Las Vegas for our honeymoon. We had a very small honeymoon budget, and one of our goals was to get on a plane and go somewhere. We said, you know, not we didn't want to just be around where we were, like go to a whole different setting, and and so uh, the cheapest get on a flight and go somewhere different than. Then West Texas, where we got married, uh, was Las Vegas. <laughs> and so we went to Las Vegas uh, for our honeymoon. And I remember we are at the Paris uh, Casino, because I thought that was, like, romantic. I can't, I'd can't. i rather take you to Paris on our honeymoon, but I'm a youth pastor, so we're going to go to Paris, Las Vegas. And so we go there, and I remember I was in the elevator, and a guy walks in, and it was, a, you know, big, tall... Um, Las Vegas uh, casino, and so the elevator ride was was quite a quite lengthy, and and um, he was sharing Jesus with me, and I thought, well, that's really cool and kind, and and but he had this canned presentation, and he just preached at me the entire elevator ride, and was grinning from ear to ear when he left, very happy with himself. I couldn't even spit out the words; the the presentation was such this forceful preaching thing at me that hey I love Jesus I'm actually a pastor and and I, I couldn't even get that out because of, of his idea that I'm sure he went to some training on how to share your faith and and you know you got an opportunity in the elevator and you know I'm sure he walked away with a story of you know proclaiming you know sharing Jesus with someone. Um, And and then I still, I I even, you know, well, what's wrong with that? Well, I had to filter through. Like, I I was kind of offended. I I kind of felt preached that. I I felt like I wasn't understood. I wasn't inviting in. I wasn't open to what he was saying um, because he didn't seem to care about me. He cared about getting this presentation out to me so that he could feel good about himself and what he had done. Um, and that may even sound kind of judgmental, but man, I walked away going, that was just sad um, and not effective. And I wonder, you know, if that even pushed people away and w- made people more want to avoid anyone who was trying to preach and shove some message down their throat because that's what I felt like. Um, and that's not th- that's not what happens here. Uh, Philip, his encounter with this guy who is open so first of all Philip's hearing and listening to the point that he knows that this is someone who is open to the one true God actually worships the one true God he has some some knowledge and is reading and looking at spiritual things in the Old Testament he even has a familiarity with scripture and and so he knows this all about him and then he asks questions and to the point where the vibe that the Ethiopian eunuch gets from Philip is, dude, I want to be around you. I want to have coffee with you. I want to get sit down and have lunch with you. I, we're in a break room at work. I want to go sit. I want to ask you to sit with me. So if there's some way that we're sharing Jesus that is repelling people, pushing them away, making them not want to be around us because they get some sense of superiority or preachiness or whatever, or they're not, you know, you're not here to listen to me. You're just here to give your, your canned presentation. I don't see examples of that being the way that we should share Jesus. And if that's why you don't want to learn how to share your faith with someone, hey, I agree with you. And so I'm encouraged by this. That, that you love people so much that they want to be around you. Verse 32, the passage of Scripture he had been reading was this, and then he, he quotes Isaiah. Uh, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth." The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And man, I get emotional, like putting myself in that setting, in that scenario, thinking of getting to a place of being led by God, being open to to what's happening in people's lives, being aware of people who are seeking answers, and approaching them, but doing it in a loving, open way that gives that respects them enough to understand where they are. If you can get to a place where people are asking you questions, their heart is softened, they're open, and, and it might be a sign that God is really doing something at work in them because he's ultimately the one who does the work. And so number five, uh, always bring it back to Jesus. Uh, you focus on what Jesus did and so it says Philip told him the good news about Jesus don't tell them about you know some random theological point or some reason what they believe is wrong or or what or something they have to do you know Uh, the message of Jesus is not something they have to do well you just need to go to church I talked to a lot of people about you know Jesus and Christianity, and they're like, "Yeah, no, I should go to church." I'm like, "No, I, I try to try to surprise them by like I don't care if you go to church or not. I, I care if you know Jesus. And then, you know, <laughs> if Jesus gets a hold of you, you're gonna want to go to church. So I, I don't care about that. Well, I know I should, you know, live a better life or something. I don't. I'm not trying to get you to live a better life. I don't care if you live a better life. If Jesus gets a hold of your heart. You're going to live a better life. You're going to love people. God's going to change your your heart about people and and how you live. So I don't care about that. I just care about Jesus. So what I want to tell you is here's what Jesus has done for you. Religion, right, is, is what we do. And the Christian message and the message about Jesus is what he has done and what he's accomplished. And so I love that Philip just points him to the good news. And the good news is Jesus paid your debt and he paid my debt. Um, so in verse 36 it goes on to say as they rode along they came to some water and the eunuch said look there's some water why can't I be baptized he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him number six help them make a next step in this uh, encounter it was awesome it was incredible and this can happen this has happened to me Um, but this may not always be the case where you're loving people, you're asking questions, they're asking questions of you, uh, they're inviting you into their life because this is a loving, positive, wonderful experience, and they're just like, hey man, I I believe Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God, and so I want to get baptized, Um, and that's what baptism is. Baptism is really a proclamation that you believe that, and in believing that and putting your trust in Jesus, as the Messiah, as the Son of God, as your Savior, that's what saves you. And then being baptized is proclaiming that, yes, I've done that. And I love this example because there's no requirement for baptism. You know, it's not like, Philip's not like, well, here's the deal. You got to go to church for this amount of time or you have to understand more scripture or you have to, um, you know, start attending your local gathering of believers, the local church or so There's no requirement other than obviously the eunuch's like, all right, you're telling me the good news. You're telling me about Jesus. I'm in. I believe that. I trust that Jesus is my savior and that he died on a cross for me. And he simply says, I want to get baptized. The other thing I love about this is the eunuch makes it not about him he doesn't say man i'm pretty important and this is an incredible ceremony and and special thing that we're going to do this whole baptism thing and so i want to make sure man uh i'm high up in the ethiopian government and man we've got these beautiful pools um that we've created in the town center or or there's just this magnificent lake up up in this certain part of our town or or in our, you know, empire that is the uh, Egyptian empire at that time. So that I can be baptized in this incredible way. I've run into a lot of people, they don't get baptized because they're trying to set up this scenario for themselves to get baptized in this powerful way. And what we're doing, and I don't think this is intentional, is we're making baptism about us and some experience that we're trying to create. And man, when I think of the most powerful baptisms in the New Testament, this is the number one that comes to mind. And I think it's a mud hole on the side of the road. Don't make your baptism about you and about some experience and some setting that that you think is going to be more powerful. Here's what's powerful, obeying Jesus. And Jesus gave these clear instructions, make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So get baptized in your bathtub. Uh, the only requirement here at Lifestone is that it's a believer. That, that, that kind of makes sense, that the person actually baptizing you, it's it's given, the instructions are given to people who are Jesus followers. And so the only requirement we put on, on someone being baptized is that they are a baptized believer themselves. That's it. And so we'd love to celebrate it with you here at Lifestone. Uh, on Easter, we're going to have some baptisms. Um, we're going to maintain all the guidelines that they're recommending that we do. But it takes two people <laughs> to get baptized. And um, we, uh, if you want to get baptized, contact us. Again, you can just text this number and just put baptized or interested in baptism. And um, we'll get back to you. And if you would like to get videoed and be baptized and celebrate that online, that'll be a great celebration as a part of our online service. Thank you for being a part of Lifestone Church Online. We hope that you join us next week as we wrap up this impact series. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this amazing passage of scripture that is so encouraging and instructive. God, I pray that we would use your word, we would use this story as a guide to show compassion, to be led by your spirit, and to share the good news in in an effective way. God, I pray uh, that you would continue to work in our hearts and our lives through these crazy, uncertain days, that we would be aware of all the people around us that are full of anxiety and fear, that we would bring them the ultimate peace, which is you, Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.